But I want to start with saying that, you know, her first, a woman who's considering abortion, her first two encounters are very short term. The sidewalk advocate encounter, very short term. Hmm. Then the pregnancy center encounter, that's longer, but that could be a year and a half or so, right? But that's still short term in the scheme of things, right? Um, After that service at the pregnancy center ends, she still has 17 years of parenting, right? Um, 17 years of navigating, you know, how to raise this child and oftentimes alone. So how can the church get involved in that? The church can get involved in that in, in a couple of different ways. Welcome to the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast, a show devoted to bridging the gap to the historic Reformed Christian faith. Listen in as two friends, a layman Nick and a pastor Peter, discuss the newest and best books in the broader Christian tradition with some of the most respected seminary and college professors, pastors, theologians, authors, and more. We hope these book club episodes introduce solid theological works to those who want to read but don't know where to start or who to trust. You'll be introduced to authors you know and many others you don't from various theological traditions, but all under the broader tent of our shared creedal tradition. All of these authors and books help us to do the same thing. They remind us of how the finished work of Jesus Christ changes everything. Hello, everyone. Yet once again, it's another day of fresh grace and mercy. This is the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast, where we bridge the gap to Reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. Today's book club episode is brought to us by Baker Books. Baker, the publisher of this book that we're going to be talking today about with the author, Marisol Rodriguez. The book is called Beyond Her Yes, Reimagining Pro-Life Ministry to Empower Women and Support Families in Overcoming Poverty. It's a very excellent book. We're passionate about this cause and this ministry and what it's all about and what she's doing. This is such a great book. If you guys go to our show notes and click the Baker link, it'll take you right to this book. Uh, A brief summary about this book just on the front end so you guys warm you guys up to what we're going to be talking about. This book is about uh, pro-life advocate and Urban Mentoring Center director calls the church to expand in its perspective beyond its initial choice of whether to continue an unplanned pregnancy and to become part of a life-transforming ministry that empowers women to overcome generational poverty and secure a better future for their families. So if you also go to our show notes, there's information just about our show in general. Um, These are book club episodes. If you go to our YouTube page, you can see the playlists of uh, all our book club episodes. We also have playlists of our seasonal episodes. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Check us out also on our podcast catcher apps. Uh, Subscribe to us there as well to just uh, listen to these in audio only format. Uh, you can also engage with us on social media. We are on Twitter, X, uh, Instagram, and then you can uh, email us, of course, at guiltgracepod at gmail.com if you wanted to do it that way as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this conversation. This was a fantastic book. Uh, we're going to jump into this conversation. I'll let Peter further introduce our guest and author today of this book, Marisol Rodriguez. Yeah, we have. Marisol Rodriguez is the co-founder of Renew Life Center in New Jersey, 
which seeks to pick up where pregnancy resource centers leave off in order to support women and help them overcome generational poverty. She's born to a single mother, which is exactly what my wife was born to as well, mm-hmm. and raised in generational poverty. Marisol has a deep experiential understanding of the woman she ser- serves. She has worked in pregnancy resource ministries for over 20 years, first as a volunteer, and then as an urban life center director. She's the parent of four adult children and lives with her husband in New Jersey. It's a pleasure having you on our show, Mrs. Rodriguez. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Of course. Yeah, it's, I want to talk about on the front end real quick. So if you guys go on Renew Life Center's website, it's renewlifecenternj.org. There's a little donate link on the bottom. right. I'm going to remind you guys again at the end of this episode, because like Nick said, we don't just want to talk about, we want to do something about it. So it's mm-hmm. donate to this or donate. And we'll talk about this throughout the episode, Pregnancy Crisis Centers as well. But Marisol, t- tell us a little bit more about yourself beyond the, the Baker uh, academic profile of Marisol. <laughs> Well, you know, that profile is important and I'll add to it as well. Um, As you mentioned in the profile, I was born to a single mother in Mm -hmm. generational poverty where there was no education before her children, which meant me and my siblings. Right. So completely uneducated um, background, Um, um, single mother multiple children, Mm -hmm. um, different last names, some of them. Mm. And, um, and you know what, our lives were transformed by the church. Hmm. And it's so funny to me in hindsight, when I was writing this book, as I was writing this book, I'm remembering my childhood and my life. And I'm realizing that I'm really writing about what happened to me, Hmm. and what happened to my mom, right. So as a single mom, she walked into a church with a bunch of kids, and they embraced her and supported her and her children. And in turn, they transformed our lives. That's awesome. Yeah, that's good. Huge, hugely important for what the church is there. Obviously, we preach the gospel, yeah. but it's like the, the the support of what yeah. they yes. do for these. Sometimes we can look at single moms and their kids, and I think, unfortunately, the church is like, "Well, what went wrong with you?" And like, how, like, why, yeah. how did you find this place? But it's man alive. It's yeah. If we can invite them as as much family as anybody else in the church, it it changes things. Yeah, it absolutely. And and you know that's. That goes at, I know that you're going to talk about this, like what, who your target audience was with this book, you know, and the pro-life perspective and, and uh, people that are already pro-life, but also I think it answers a huge um, objection from the pro-choice crowd that's saying, Hey, you Christians. You're beginning you believe- of life people, but not end of life people or <laughs> middle of life people. Yeah. You you're you're all about saving the baby in the womb, but what happens to after yeah. the baby's born in the world? Which is so- unfortunately true for a lot of Christians who are pro-life. It's we're pro-life at conception, and then we kind of forget about the baby after that. So yeah. this well, book is really about about a lot of that. It is about a lot of that, but you know, even that, even that criticism isn't well-founded because I always say no one's criticizing the Susan G foundation, Susan G Coleman foundation for only addressing breast cancer, Mm. right? That's all they do. They don't address any other cancer. They're they're not counting them (laughs) and say, well, you should be addressing every other cancer too, but yet they expect the pro-life group to solve all the problems in the world. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, And there's, there's plenty of them, but so it's an unfounded argument, but whether it's founded or not, um, we as Christians, our, our heart, and I think our mandate, you know, um, from God is to serve the least of these, mm-hmm. is to help them develop a life that is more abundant in Christ, first and foremost, you know, and just improve people's circumstances. You know, I think we're called to that. 
Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, starting off into this conversation in the book, mm-hmm. you talk a lot about um, a metaphorical pro-life baton race for the services mm-hmm. supporting someone thriving for a lifetime for an abundance. And I underline abundance. That's a very important word of care versus like we were saying, just only saving the baby in the womb and stopping there. So can you describe in a baton race kind of linear understanding um, of the organizations that serve in the steps from start to finish that you lay out beautifully throughout the book? It kind of it starts off, you know, with the pregnancy centers and then goes to Renew, which you founded mm-hmm. and then Lighthouse, your partner, and then the church. Well, yes, that's the way it should go. We we hope it goes. So, you know, we've all seen those baton races, right? Where you have that first person out there, right? They they start off strong and they pass on. To me, that first person in that first leg of the race is what we call sidewalk advocates. Mm-hmm. They're the people that are standing outside the abortion clinic, trying to approach women and couples and say, hey, would you give me a moment of your time? Let's talk about this decision you're about to make. It's irreversible. I mm-hmm. think it deserves two minutes of <laughs> contemplation before yeah. you go in there. There, right so that's your sidewalk advocate if they're if that woman is lucky if lucky enough to stop and listen you know she will most likely um go with this sidewalk advocate either to a mobile ultrasound unit that may be nearby like to mm. save the storks or mm. they may be driven to a pregnancy resource center so that's two so now the sidewalk advocate takes this woman hands her over to the pregnancy resource center in the perfect world this sidewalk advocate who's an exceptional person. Not everybody can do that. These are no. exceptional people. That's, they are a breed of their own. I have yep. the highest respect for them. They should drop her off there and now head back to the sidewalk where they do what most people can't do. Go back and save another life. The pregnancy center receives the woman, does ultrasound, pregnancy tests, ultrasound, and refers her for prenatal care. They offer um, parenting classes, um, material support when the baby's born. Now they do this for up to the baby's first year, typically speaking. I'm sure every pregnancy center is slightly different, up to the baby's first year. Um, And then, but see, here's the thing. Here's the gap. There's, There's no one after that to catch, there's no hand after that catching that next baton, right? Where does the girl go after that year is up? I will tell you that preg- many pregnancy centers will hand her a list of local churches. Hmm. That's not very effective. Let's be honest. There's you a know? bunch of options. What do you do from there? <laughs> yeah, like there's 12 churches, you know, nobody in there, yeah. you know, you know, nobody there. You're That's a single scary. mother. Yeah. It's scary. You're already feeling ashamed of your life circumstance, right? So you're going to walk in, you know, group of unknown people, you don't know how you're going to be received. Um, so th- that's not usually working. But so in, in Patterson, New Jersey, where, where where I am, we have the sidewalk advocates that bring the girls to our partner Lighthouse. Lighthouse refers her to Renew Life Center. And Renew Life Center now, um, in partnership with local churches, that's where we get our volunteers from, that's where mm-hmm. we get our support. Now, ha- create a relationship with this woman for the long term. Now, when people ask me, well, what does long-term mean? What I always say, as long as it takes, Mm. that's really it. It's as long as it takes, you know, Um, personally, I've been mentoring the same woman for eight years. That's right. You know, but that's because like, I think about her at night. She's, Mm -hmm. she's, she's like, she's my girl, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, she's like another daughter to me. She calls me mom. So, and that doesn't happen all the time, but you get to develop life relationships with people that you wouldn't have met otherwise. So yeah, the baton race right now is very short. It's sad, but it's very short. It's a sidewalk advocate to the pregnancy center. And then in most cases, then what? 
Mm. You know, um, we developed Renew Life Center for that purpose, to be the, the next hand mm. that gets the baton, you know, mm. in partnership with the church. Um, so and, and yeah, the church is a big part of that, that, you know, church is where we do life. Isn't that what they say nowadays? Right. Mm. You do life <laughs> in church and you got your life group. Right. Mm-hmm. So where's where's her life group? Yeah. You know, so that's what we intend to be. Yeah. Yeah. So I, th- this question I ask in no way is meant to denigrate the pro-life camp, but all of us are pro-life here. So it's just, uh, it's more like kind of a speck in our eye. We, we gotta, we gotta kind of figure things out, but there's, there's a lot of books, a lot of information, kind of apologetics on pro-life. And that's, it's not really what this book is about. Like you said, yeah. it this assumes the pro-life movement, not makes the case for a pro-life movement, um, nature of conception, image of God, and so much more. Uh, but this is this is unlike those books, not to say that it says no to those books, it just kind of builds upon these yeah. books. So related to the next question, what what often gets missed in the pro-life movement? So like of course we should be pro-life as Christians, but what gets missed in the pro-life movement? What are you what are you calling us to in this book? I think what's getting missed is the long view of of the life of this woman. And I think what also listen, you've heard of the phrase you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. So if you and well, you know, here, here's another thing. Let, let me back that up a little bit. Go for it. Most people that are serving in pro-life ministry in any capacity are most likely people that are coming from a middle class background. Yep. You have the free time, the resources, the education, the skills. <laughs> That's my background. To go yep. out, right. To go out there and do something. And you can do that because you are already resourced. Right. So when we're coming from that well-resourced background, we have no idea the resources that other people lack. Right. And, and I think what we're missing is we're missing seeing that her life is so different than mine, not just because. People would like to think, well, she made different decisions or she made bad decisions. She made different decisions and maybe bad one because she had different resources available to her. Mm. Right. And she comes from a different background in a different situation. She's operating from survival skills, not thriving skills. So what we're missing is that we're missing what we don't know. We don't know what generational poverty looks like. And when a woman from this kind of background walks into, tries to walk into an abortion clinic and someone interrupts her and says, hey, why are you walking in there? She goes, well, I don't have a job. I don't have money. And someone says, hey, you know, we're here to support you in that. If that's why you're walking in, you don't need to do that. There's then very often they'll take you up on that help. So what we're missing is that we're missing what we don't know what those 17 years after that year at the pregnancy center looks like, feels like. Mm-hmm. We don't know what resources she has available. We don't know what she doesn't have available. And, um, you know, here's let me throw some numbers at you. 62% of children from chronic poverty don't get, get a high school diploma by the age of 20. Mm-hmm. So that means they're like three years later than everybody else. Well, that means also that 38% of them aren't getting a high school diploma. Think about that. 38 um, teen pregnancies are much higher in poverty mm-hmm. and single parent household, right? Um, there's gang involvement that mm-hmm. often leads to prison. So mm-hmm. when you sit back and think this young lady was about to get an abortion, now she's not, but she's still going to go home and have this baby and raise him in the exact same environment she's in with the same lack of resources, what's the outcome going to be for that baby? Mm-hmm. What's the outcome? I think, I know we care about that. Yeah. I know we do. 
I just don't think we think about it. No, we don't. Like you said, we <laughs> can kind of assume that she has the same resources that, that we do. And why didn't she use those resources? And why is she saying no to this stuff? We're right. kind of coming to this assuming we have similar backgrounds and similar stuff available to us. Right. And and it's so untrue. It's so untrue. And um and it's very, it's very unfortunate. But I know we care. Mm-hmm. I just don't think we we are aware mm-hmm. of what the outcome can possibly be if we don't get involved. Yeah. Yeah. Leading into my question, so something that's really struck out in the book, and, and you have a lot of stats and pers- to, like you were just saying, something that struck me too is that um, a lot of these girls from poverty situations that are going to an abortion clinic, they it's not that they necessarily want to get an abortion, that they they don't, they already know that it's murder really but Mm -hmm. they're in a survival mode there's no other option that they think of where we like when we're this is leading in my next question for a purpose because you're going to describe the different types of poverty but they are in a a a situation where the back's against the wall and um they're in a crisis situation where it's survival mode and you're going to talk about like what does that mean in a poverty setting that we in middle class as middle class citizens just don't really understand but so that really struck me too because then they're all they're looking at or they're looking for somebody to grab their mm-hmm. hand in the parking yeah. lot that one person be like you have options i will be mm-hmm. there to help you and they're like thank goodness i was hoping you know yeah. so uh, my next question is this is a big question it's really helpful for foundational background um there's two different types of terms there's situational and then there's generational poverty. So situational poverty, generational poverty, uh, but generational poverty accounts for uh, most unwanted pregnancies and abortions. Um, within that, why do Christians in poverty tend to experience it less traumatically? So maybe a definition of what situational poverty is, okay. what generational poverty is, and then also why Christians uh, within poverty, with whether they're situational or generational, why do they tend to deal with this experience less traumatically? Yeah. Okay. Well, great questions. I love it. I love it. So situational poverty is someone who is put into poverty from a, because of a situation. So it could be a death, you know, you're left widowed. It could be a, a, a major illness that drains your bank account and, and you can't work anymore. So situational poverty means you weren't poor before, but you are thrown into poverty for a while, mm-hmm. at least, right? And so, but what we have to remember there is that that poverty is different because you come from a from a background that is resourced. So even though you're in situational poverty now, most likely you still have an education, you still have um, business contacts, you have networks, uh, professional networks. So you have things that you can now dip into to try to work yourself out of this poverty, which that would be, you know what people say, pull yourself up from your bootstraps, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the bootstraps, what you mm-hmm. have are your bootstraps, right? Mm-hmm. So so they have something to grab onto and to build from to work their way out of the situation. Generational poverty is when you come from a background of poverty for three generations or more. Mm-hmm. So that means your parents are from poverty, your grandparents are from poverty, your great grandparents are from poverty. This type of poverty is entrenched. Right. And there are no bootstraps. Mm -hmm. There are no bootstraps. So a lot of what we expect people in poverty to do um, comes. They don't have it because it comes from living in an environment of where those things are modeled. 
you know, um, and, and they don't have the modeling. So as you know, as you're growing up and you see mom and dad go to work, they get dressed, they go to the office, they work from home, you see them thriving and, and you pick that up. But when all you see is people that are um, not working, not mm-hmm. educated, maybe live, that's all you know. Mm-hmm. So you have no idea how to apply for a job or go on Indeed to look for a job or submit an application or how to interview. There's so much that's missing that we take for granted, you know, mm-hmm. um, th- there's a lot missing that we take for granted. So now, so now why would there be more abortions and, and poverty than and not? Well, there's multiple reasons. Number one, if you think about where all your abortion clinics are located, they're located in poverty areas. Yep. We have a bunch in Santa Ana because Santa Ana is exactly. impoverished. Right. So poverty is marketed to, I mean, poverty, abortion is marketed to people in poverty. So um, that's one reason. The other reason also is because they have a few other options. As you probably know, we talk a lot about Westminster Seminary, California on here. I can't even begin to tell you the impact this institution has had on my faith my family, and the ministry the Lord has entrusted me with. If you feel called to serve the church and want the most rigorous training for gospel ministry around, consider coming to Westminster Seminary, California, a confessionally reformed institution in sunny San Diego that offers master's degrees in biblical and theological studies, historical theology, and divinity. Westminster's approach to ministry education emphasizes a mastery of the original biblical languages, maintaining a small student-to-professor ratio, a laser focus on face-to-face education coupled with an understanding of the importance of having pastor-scholars with decades of ministry experience train the next generation of servant leaders for the Church of Jesus Christ. If this interests you, and I hope it does, call Westminster today at 888 8474 to talk to admissions counselor or visit www.wscal.edu. Again, call Westminster Seminary California today at 888-480-8474 or log on to www.wscal.edu, which will all be available in our show notes. Westminster Seminary California for Christ, His Gospel, and his church. At least visible to them, right? They have few other options. And also, listen, this is very important to know. To not have a pregnancy requires more planning than to have a pregnancy, Mm -hmm. right? So um, it's, it's very easy to get pregnant. It's not easy not to get pregnant. And the very thing that you need not to get pregnant is resources, But then you could say, hey, you know, they give away free condoms and everything all over the place. What do you mean? Mm -hmm. Right. But then you have to plan. It takes Mm -hmm. advanced planning. Right. And it takes control. And those are things that people in poverty often don't have the ability to do. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to have to you have to have some type of control over your environment, over your life. And they feel very out of control. That's one thing. I come from that background. So I can tell you that (laughs) it feels like you have very little options and control. So um so yeah, listen, I worked at a pregnancy center for 10 years, I did intake after intake, pregnant, positive, positive pregnancy test after positive pregnancy test. I would ask the question, did you intend to have a baby? The answer nine out of 10 times was no. Mm-hmm. The next question is, were you using birth control? 
nine out of 10 times, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so why, you know, why? Because it required planning and control and all these other things. So, um, so that's part of it. So now I, I hopefully I answered your question so far, those, those two, the, mm -hmm. the other question was why Christians in poverty experience it less dramatically. Mm -hmm. That's because they're not involved in the behaviors that cause the trauma. So I tell people I grew up in Christian poverty and I was very lucky for that mm -hmm. because my mom happened to get saved, um, when I was just born, maybe somewhere between my birth and my second birthday, my mom mm -hmm. became saved and entered a church. When you are living out Christian values, you're not using drugs, you're not drinking alcohol, which are both um, money wasters and also cause trauma, right? Not only to the person using them, but to the family around them, right? Um, there's no gambling, another addictive behavior that that causes trauma and impacts family. And there's no promiscuous behavior, which would prevent um, teen pregnancies and will prevent, you know, all the other host of things that come from that. And of course, your mother won't let you roam the streets at night. So you're not getting involved in the gangs. So when you are in poverty, I've lived next door to young women, um, same poverty. But my mom, when she came to know the Lord, we followed Christian values in our home. You know, she wasn't going to have it. You know, she knew what her life was like and she wanted better for her children. So in our neighborhood with everybody else, we were still in a little bubble. And that bubble was the church, which kept us busy. That's where we went for youth group and Wednesday night meetings and Sunday. That was our social connection. And then on top of that was my mother establishing Christian values in our home. Right. And um, there's even in my book, I list studies or actually studies that show that people with a faith background in poverty suffer much less than those in the same. Because poverty is not just about economics. Right. There's mm -hmm. other things um, mm -hmm. that impede that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that's even the case. If you can say this, that when you're, when you're part of a church, if you're not part of a church, there's, there's just less kind of network around you. There's less safety net around you. Um, there, there's just, there's just less resources available. And if you're part of a church, even if you're just thinking of resources, like there's, there's at least some people there, there's somebody there, there are models at the church that you yeah. can follow. There are people that you can follow mm -hmm. versus outside the church. I mean, the only models that you have are on the street, your next door neighbors. Exactly. And that if that's all that you've ever known, you don't know to go to another model. Cause like, if you're a kid, you assume what you see is what exists in the world. Um, yeah. I was able to see both. I was yeah. able to see yeah. my home and I was able to see how my girlfriends, my age, same school, yeah. same situation, they were getting pregnant. I wasn't getting pregnant. They were doing drugs. I wasn't doing drugs. They're running the streets at night. I wasn't running the streets yeah. at night, yeah. you know, and I thank God, I thank God for my mother. Um, and I thank God for that. Um, but you know, one more thing about being a Christian in poverty is mental health issues. People in poverty suffer more mental health issues than others, anxiety, depression, loneliness, and so forth. When you have faith and hope and Christ, whatever crisis you're in, you know, that's a source of strength, you know, that's an anxiety um, reliever and a loneliness reliever. So I think that because you have that hope in God and you have that, that resource in, in God, it's, it, your mental stability is far better. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So coming into this, this next question, I don't want to generalize too much, but you talk mm -hmm. about these women and the men and the decision it's 
it tends not to be related so much to the moment of birth, but like you said, what they're like, what are we going to do after this stuff? We just, we don't know what we're going to do after mm-hmm. this. So what are, what are some of the challenges that exist for those who do say yes? So we, we've talked about some of the opportunities, mm-hmm. I guess, available, but what are some of the challenges I'm thinking you talk about kind of government funding for those who have the kids versus, Oh, we, like just get a job or like, Oh, there's, it's a little bit more complicated than getting a job because you like, you don't get the, the as much, um, resources from the government. So talk about some of the challenges that exist yeah. um, after they have their baby. You know, some of the challenges are the same, just compounded, because now yep. you have another mouth to feed, right? So yep. it's a, you still have the same challenges, but now it is worse, though. There's another person to take account of, you know, not only in feeding, but also in housing. So if you're in a two-bedroom apartment and you already have three or four kids, can you put a fifth one in there? You know, does that require you now to have to move, you know, to be able to do that? But also, um, also, would it be adding to your childcare expense? Mm-hmm. Those are additional. So it's not like it's just, well, it's just another baby. It's another, you know, it could be a childcare expense. It could be, is it interrupting your education? Right. What is it going to do to your work if you are working? You know, what what is that going to do to your work? Um, Is there family support available? You know, I know mothers that are very helpful to their daughters. They're like, listen, I've helped you with two kids. The third one, I'm out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, you know, it's not always that easy. So and then also what you were um, alluding to about government support, it's that government support as you do better, just a little bit better. It starts to shrink Mm -hmm. a lot. You know, I've seen women lose like three, four hundred dollars worth of food stamp support because she got a dollar an hour raise. Hmm. And you're like, so it's like you take a step forward and two step back. You know, there's a lot that they're that they're um, butting up against that we don't see. We tend to believe that social services are abundant, Hmm. that Section 8, you know, um, Mm -hmm. affordable housing is Mm -hmm. abundant. And oh, we're making life so easy for these yeah, women. That's why definitely not that's, a bunch. Yeah. Right. That's why they keep popping out babies because yeah. you know we're making it so easy for them. Um, and listen, are there irresponsible people in poverty? Absolutely. Sure, yeah. I will tell you, you have those that you are right by describing them that way. My yeah. experience in 22 years has been that they are not the majority. They are not the majority. Um the majority of people want to do better. Every girl walking into that or trying to walk into that clinic had a dream to do better, to be the first in her family to get a high school diploma or maybe a college education or have a career. Those dreams are out there and and they're disappearing and they're being squashed. And, and, um, and this unplanned pregnancy just makes that dream even harder or further away or maybe makes you think it's it's not possible anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to do. We want them to know, no, hey, it is possible. And there's people here to help you, to help you finish school, to help you do that and have your baby, you know, because we care about your baby, but we care about you as well. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want these women to know. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, obviously we want all these women to keep their babies. Uh, that's obvious. We're pro-life and, mm-hmm. you know, they have all these obstacles in front of them. And so we want to be there to help uh, alleviate, remove, assist around these obstacles and whatnot. Um, So when it comes to the church's mission, I think that we've talked about that a little bit more when it comes to, we have talked about that so far when it comes to this, this topic and, and helping. Um, So there is a rhetorical 
question you ask at the end of your book, and particularly chapter six, uh, which is titled short-term support versus long-term sustainability. So mm-hmm. this is a good question to include in the conversation. Uh, so you already you already have the question in the book. So I'll just kind of say it on the air like I'm asking you and then have you answer it. Mm-hmm. So this is what you say. You say, how can the church get involved in this daunting but rewarding mission? Mm, it is daunting. I, I'll admit that. I'm going to tell you how they get involved. But I want to start with saying that, you know, her first, a woman who's considering abortion, her first two encounters are very short term. The sidewalk advocate encounter, very short term. Mm. Then the pregnancy center encounter, that's longer, but that could be a year and a half or so, right? But that's yeah. still short term in the scheme of things, right? Um, after that service at the pregnancy center ends, she still has 17 years of parenting, right? Um, 17 years of navigating, you know, how to raise this child and oftentimes alone. So how can the church get involved in that? The church can get involved in that in in a couple of different ways. Hey, um, volunteer more at a pregnancy center, you know, offer to do more at your local pregnancy center, say, you know what, I just don't want to be a short term counselor or or advocate here. Can we develop some kind of long term mentoring program, my me and my congregation or my friends would love to partner with girls long term. The other thing a church could do is look around, see, is there a ministry like Renew Life Center that already exists in the area that is providing that for the pregnancy center, providing the additional support. Get involved there because ministries like mine are designed to partner with the church. They're designed to give the church a conduit through which that they can support these women. Because a lot of pastors will tell me, Marisol, I wanna help, I don't know how. I mean, where do we begin? I don't know how. Well, find a ministry like Renew Life Center and they'll show you how. Another thing a congregation can do, and I would say not just one congregation, I would love, and I'm a dreamer, I would love to (laughs) see multiple churches come together to do one project. For example, I'm sure within a stone throws away of any pregnancy center, there's at least half a dozen churches. Sure, yeah. Can they come together and say, you know what? We're going to develop a ministry like a Renew Life Center that's going to provide education, mentoring, financial literacy, long-term support. Yeah, I mean, one church could say, oh, geez, we got to raise $200,000 to do something like that. Not necessarily, but if you had churches that collaborated together and said, we're going to work as a team for the sake of life, we're going to come together um, as a team and we're going to create something. I mean, Renew Life Center has a great model of how we support these women and we're happy to share it, you know, um, on how to do that. That's what the church can do, you know, and the church, and really it's funny because I'm not really asking the church to do more than what they're actually already doing. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just point that towards people outside your congregation, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And not just everybody, just these women who chose life, you know, I just feel we have a moral responsibility. When you stop someone and say, hey, you know, don't do that. It's a sin. Um, We don't want you to commit that sin. Um, We want you to, you know, we want to spare the baby and you from Mm -hmm. that. I think that should carry a long term Mm -hmm. um, support to that. And for the church to say, hey, you know what, we're going to make our church single mom friendly. You know, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, you provide childcare. Every time your church is open, 
You're providing, you can't have a woman's Bible study and expect single moms <laughs> to come in if yeah. you don't have childcare, yeah. you know? Um, do you have any mechanics at your church? Could they give her an uh, oil change or yeah. a tune-up for free? Mm. You know, um, um, hey, she needs, do you have someone that could tutor her? She's trying to be a nurse's aide or whatever. Is there, So it's just do what you do. Just include a group of people that maybe you would have never met otherwise. I'm going to, I tell you, they will enrich your life oh, yeah. in ways you can never imagine. You're going to learn from them more than you ever think you can imagine. You're going to go closer to God because you're actually being his hands and feet here on earth. Um, your faith is going to soar. You know, because you see God operating, you see, look, nothing shows you how puny you are than serving, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, people are like, oh, I don't know if I'm qualified. What do you mean if you don't know if you're qualified? Do you love the Lord? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you love your neighbor? Yes. Show up. Your job is to show up and God's job is the rest. Yeah. So that's what a church can do. Just think about how can you make your church environment um more um, supportive of, of these moms? And how can you get outside of your four walls to support a pregnancy center further or start a um, or start a, a, a parachurch ministry that can provide these support services and collaborate with other churches to do so because we know that many hands make light work, mm -hmm. right? So I think that I think that's a beautiful thing that um, I dream of to see mm -hmm. come about. I love that. Yeah. And that's, that's actually a beautiful transition to my last question. And you've, you've talked about Renew Life Center and some of these centers that are similar to what you do. Uh, and like we said, it's, it's often assumed that there's, there's help available, but we're not really mm -hmm. sure where that help comes from for these women. And as we talked about, there's really not much past the year or so. And, and Nick, Nick asked a question similar to this, but I want to get a little more specific. So what, what specifically does Renew um, Life Center do and other pregnancy crisis centers do that it's not just giving them resources, especially like trains them and trains their child. Mm -hmm. What, like, what, what do you guys do? And, and what, like, what's that model that you want others to, to follow and emulate? Okay. So pregnancy centers, um, in addition to, you know, what we know they normally do with the pregnancy, they yeah. offer parenting classes throughout the whole year. And that they're excellent classes, generally speaking, the ones I've seen. So they offer parenting classes. So, a, a, you know, oftentimes what we have to do is parent parents. Because these are parents that, um, you know, that didn't have much parenting support themselves, mm -hmm. right? So, um, so the pregnancy centers parenting classes, they offer late counseling for a woman to be able to come in and, you know, um, get some counseling and support. Um, they offer relationship support, something new that pregnancy centers, some of them do, it's called birth of a family. So they provide um, it's like a Bible study based relationship building, family building um, groups that, you know, a lot of times these um, single moms may have a boyfriend, like the baby's father's in the picture, but they're not married. Mm -hmm. Right. So birth of the family kind of leads this young, tender couple mm -hmm. into making a um, a decision for marriage, which mm -hmm. is would be ideal for baby, for everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. That talk about the ultimate win win. Right. So not only lead people to the Lord, but lead them to a marriage, a committed relationship. So those are wonderful things that I think the Pregnancy Center offers. Um, not all of them, but some sure. of them do. The one I'm connected to offers that. What Renew Life Center does that is really unique is that it addresses the root causes of poverty. Mm -hmm. 
quick little plug for our own podcast here. If you are an individual and you want to help donate for this work, you can go to our show notes, to our Patreon page, as well as our Spotify donations page. If you want to make a recurring donations, they're either $15 or $20 a month or a single donation. You can also do that as well. Those really help us on the back end to give to this work, to keep up our website, to make sure we can pay those who help with our editing, with our software, with our merchandising, all, all those good things. If you're a potential sponsor and you want to sponsor us and, and fill out one of our ads, you can email us at guiltgracepod at gmail.com and we can talk through some of the options that we have. And we would love to work with both individuals and publishers, institutions, seminaries, whoever it may be, as we all work towards our mission of bridging the gap to reform Christian theology. Yep. Help expand our work and be a bridge builder. That is different than just addressing poverty hmm. because um, ministries like um, food pantries uh -huh. and shelters and all those things, they alleviate poverty. Uh -huh. They don't address the root cause to eliminate it. And what Renew Life Center does different is that we address the root cause. Because if you don't address the root cause, you'll be constantly serving and providing resource to the good old saying, do you want to give them fish or do you want to teach them how to fish, right? Mm -hmm. So Renew Life Center teaches people how to fish. So we address the root causes of poverty. We, we offer work readiness mm -hmm. workshops, career um, development programs, financial literacy programs, uh, tutoring for when they decide to go to school. Mm -hmm. And then um, we're famous for our long-term support and long-term mentoring. Because every time you, teaching is great, the education is great, but if you don't have the education coupled with the mentoring that helps you practice what you learned, it's just half, mm -hmm. you know? It's when you marry the two is when you get a great result, you know? So, and I, I really think that one of the key things and the model, we talked about the model that Renew Life Center does, that's our model. It's like, we, we talk about there's getting ahead resources and there's survival resources. We want to be a survival resource. I mean, a getting ahead resource. So <laughs> we focus on developing people, right? So that's what we want to do. We are a development ministry. We, you know, so it's, it's really, um, it's unique. When you talk about people, go, oh yeah, we help people in poverty. We help them get jobs. Well, that's great. But did you address the root cause? Mm. Yeah, we give them food. That's wonderful. But did you address the root cause? And and we're not all meant to do everything. So I always say, let them do what they do. They do a beautiful. And we do what we do, which is getting to the bottom of things, you know, building that strong foundation so that everything that you build over it now has a stronger place to stand on hmm. and they can hmm. work from. So um, that's that's a, that's what makes us different than than others. organization. Yeah. Um I do want to ask too, because you mentioned Lighthouse quite a bit in your book yeah. and that's different than Renew. It's your partner yeah. and mm -hmm. it's not the church. So what is Lighthouse mm -hmm. for Lighthouse is Lighthouse is a pregnancy resource center. Okay. And um, we actually share space. We built out a space together. So um, what I love about a partnership is that when the women transition from that pregnancy mm. center to Renew, it's seamless. Yeah. Mm. They don't have to find it's a new a place. It's, it's the same place. They're right there. So when the pregnancy center says, hey, uh, you know, we, we would like you, we, we know you have a dream to go to school. We know you have a dream for a career and our partner, Renew Life, um, well, can help you with that. I want to introduce you to Marisol. And she's like, oh, her? Yeah, I see her here all the time. 
you know, so it, it's a natural. And I just wish every pregnancy center could do that yeah. because when you, when you work that closely together for them, it's a seamless transition. She's going from family to, to an extended family kind of, so to speak. And it's so important when you're in poverty to do that because people in poverty need relationships and the people in poverty are so used to things being taken away from them that when you have something you can hold on to and then they don't pass you on to a total stranger, right? They pass you on to, they transition you within the same space to, to something else. They still feel like, oh, you didn't just get rid of me. <laughs> you know, we're still part of a, of a family. That's, it's very important. So that's what Lighthouse is. They're, they're an exceptional pregnancy center that is out there. And, um, and they do all these, they, they do everything they can for the women that they serve, but they have to be, it's within their mission, mm. right? Their mission mm. is not to address poverty, mm. right? Mm. So, mm -hmm. and so they're smart enough though, to find a partner that mm. does. And that's, that's awesome. the key. The key is not to do everything. Don't yeah, try to do, do everything. everything. Yeah. Do what you do best. Do what God called you mm. to do and find your, find yourself a partner to do the other part. That's great. Yeah. I think, the hope here is that we can clone this system that you have in yes. Patterson, New Jersey and all across the country. And that even this... make it better. If there's a way to make it better or whatever it is, Absolutely. it's like do that everywhere. Yeah. yeah yes. Cause I mean, there's a big country. There's a lot of poverty pockets and yeah. um, the church has resources to do some of this stuff, but sometimes we just don't know where to look. And I, mm -hmm. I, I would venture to guess most churches don't know these things exist. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we would want to think that they do, but like, if you think about um, like pro-life ministries, it tends to just be like picketing at the local Planned mm -hmm. Parenthood or yeah. sending volunteers there. And it's very rarely talking about, like, I did not know this existed until I read your book. That's oh, like, wow. I, I'm yeah. guessing that's the majority of our, our, of our people who listen to this. It's, it's just not, it's just not known. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And before we, End the conversation on a practical note with that, because hang on to that for a second, that that questioning he brought up was as far as uh, leading into my last question, just some practicality advice that you bring out in the end of your book for other parts of the country, how we can get the ball rolling in communities serving people this way. I do have one last question uh, based on good, good sake of time that we have. Um, there's some beautiful stories of individuals you bring out in the book mm. um and heart-wrenching but yeah beautiful. yeah you'll tear you up yeah you're 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 dealing with real people this is obvious mm. but you bring out their names you bring out their stories and your personal impact of you know the girl you took it, in yeah yeah that that <laughs> you know you gave a it started with just a hug yeah. you're like the, yeah. the ward was telling you like give this girl a hug and it started that yeah. in a, a, yeah. a lifelong relation can you i'll let you just kind of take the floor and like pick which one because uh, there's wow. a few different girls you talk about but and families but if you want to yeah. just kind of uh, like making this concrete like what does this look like a, a story that you can tell making this concrete for somebody who's listening yeah. Wow. Oof, like you said, so many, so tough to pick up. But you know what? I'm going to pick um, I'm going to pick Kayanne, Kayanne's story mm -hmm. because or Carrie's story. I'm sorry <laughs> um, <laughs> that um, because, you know, Carrie came to the pregnancy center, bunch of kids, mom with a man in the home, but not providing and not producing. And I love this is a story where a team of people came together and really um and really transformed her life and her children's life. So Carrie goes to the pregnancy center, which was Lighthouse. 
Um, Lighthouse referred her to Renew. Renew started working with her. We put her through our poverty alleviation program, um, job readiness, all of that. We helped her fill out application. We mm. sent her on her first job interview she's ever had in eight mm. years, right? <laughs> She was nervous to that. She was chronically homeless. She was chronically unemployed. She goes, but we just saw her as a diamond in the rough. This girl, I'm like, this girl's got so much potential, right? So we send her off on her first interview. She gets the job just like that. We weren't surprised because we knew she had a lot to offer. And while she's working there, she meets other Christians that are working there. Long, fast forward, long story short, a Christian woman that was working with her noticed something wasn't right. Kayan was living in a domestic violence situation. Hmm. And, um, and it took a Christian to notice it and to stop and say, Hey, is everything okay in your house? Right. When she confessed that it wasn't, this woman was the, the, the Christian coworker was able to go to her church um, who happened to be a part of, of a network called um, family promise right? A, a network of churches that provide temporary housing for families in need. She was able to contact her church where they had an emergency meeting to see how they can help KN out of this domestic situation. Within a couple of days, we had a response. We have a house for KN, a safe house for her to go to, you know, and, um, and, and just like that, just because of all these transitions, that baton was passed from hand to hand, um, KN was able to leave a um, domestically violent relationship, go into a safe home, um, transition her children out of all this, put them all in counseling. She attends church. She loves the Lord. You know, she loves the Lord. And now she's um, working. She's left the original job we've got her after having multiple promotions. Mm. And now she's working at a state agency, you know, making close to $50,000 a year. You know, and none of that would have happened without those series of transitions that happen, you know, um, without um, Christians stopping to notice and not just noticing, just like the um, just like the Samaritan. You know, a lot of people noticed him as he was they were walking by, but someone noticed it and stopped and mm -hmm. then not just stopped and noticed it, but then took it to her church and said, hey, pastor, look at this. What can we do? And they had the resources to do something about it. And I think that churches get overwhelmed. You know, I, I, I'm not ragging on them. They get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when you just, you know, when you just take it just one one need at a time, it's like, how do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time, right? Mm -hmm. this, there's just, this is just one woman with one need. Can you help her? You know, and I, I, I love that story because I, I love how she goes from zero income for eight years to nearly 50,000 you know, um, a few years later, hmm. all with collaboration and help. That's great. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, well, my last question is, uh, going, tying to the very end of your book, you list five practical suggestions. I know it's a little redundant cause I think you probably have explained mm -hmm. these, um, at this point in the conversation, but, uh, five practical suggestions to help parents Faced with the crisis pregnancy and difficult choices they have to make after, uh, make afterward. Um, so on pages 128 and 29, um, to end this conversation, can you please just briefly go over these, a high level view, call us uh, to just main, the main point is to call us to serve our neighbors and our communities mm -hmm. and, and replicate what you're talking about in other parts of the country. Just give some guidance. 
Yeah, you know, I think it's scary. I, I think when people, as I was writing the book, I was thinking, man, I hope I'm not scaring people. You oh. know, um, I want to excite them that there's a role for them out there. So I'm like, you know, if any of this touched your heart, like, do not be afraid, you know, just take a baby step. Go figure out where's your local pregnancy center. Call them up. Say, hey, can I come for a visit? Can I get a tour? You know, bring some friends with you. Bring some of your church friends with you. Just find out what they're doing, what their needs on, what's going on. What gaps are you seeing? Where can we fill in these gaps? This is just exploring, you know, just go and don't feel like if you show up, you have to commit, you know, and now you're tight. No, just go <laughs> and explore and let God lead you, you know, Um Find out, is there a ministry like Renew Life Center in, in that area? If there is, um, and you know what? We're all called to different things. Your heart may be drawn to that girl um, at the sidewalk making that choice. Your heart may be drawn to the pregnancy center with the parenting classes. You, you want to help women be better parents. Your, your heart may be drawn to helping her fulfill her dreams and her long-term needs and meeting goals, like getting a driver's license. There's, there's plenty to do for everybody. Wherever God touches your heart, that's where you go, right? If your heart is for, man, I want to see these women, you know, be able to provide for their children and, and keep them away from all those negative things like gangs and, and, and drugs and stuff like that, then find a ministry like Renew Life Center that's going to help her build stability. If there isn't one, start one. You know, start one. There's a model. There's a, you know who to call for the model, right? Um <laughs> you know, figure out, do, do some exploring. This is what I want to encourage people. Explore what God has for you. Explore what role you play in the kingdom, because we all have one. God did not save us for us, right? He saved us so that we can reach others. So there's a purpose that we know Christ. And, um, and I suggest we find it and your life will be fulfilled. Um, I'm here talking to you guys, writing a book. I never dreamed this stuff. <laughs> I never dreamed. I never dreamed that this would be part of my life, but it just—it all stemmed from one volunteer opportunity I said yes to 22 years ago. That's and great. I praise God for that. So yeah, go out there, um, investigate, I would say. Call your pregnancy center, find out what other ministries are around and see what role you can play. That's awesome. Yeah, so I want to end this conversation uh, by turning attention to Renew. Uh, your model there. So if you can point people to where to go, what website to go to, where they can donate. And if they have questions, if like, hey, we don't live in New Jersey, we live in wherever else they live in the United States or in the world. How, like, can, like, how can they contact you to get some help to, to start something where they mm -hmm. live? Yeah, well, you know, our website is renewlifecenternj.org. Um, you can go there, fill out a contact form, and we will promptly call you back. Our phone number is on there as well. Um, you know, thank God for technology like Zoom. I don't mm -hmm. care if you're in 10 buck two, you <laughs> and I can meet. I can share what we do. You know, it's no longer, distance is no longer, um, you know, the, the obstacle it used to be in the past. So, um, yeah, you could go to our website. You could learn about the book there, renewlifecenternj.org slash book. Um, you can donate there as well. You know, um, my pastor always says ministry and money is is married, is a marriage, and, and we can't do ministry without the funding. And, it, and that's just equally as important as getting people out there physically to support um, these women. We also need those who can support the ministry financially so we could do what we do. Um, 
yeah, I hope you you get the book. I hope you read it. I hope God speaks to you through it. And I hope that um, that you see what role you play uh, um, in this in this relay race for life. Awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. Again, I highly encourage people to read this, both if you're pro-life and I think also if you're kind of hesitant around pro-life around some of these issues to see kind of a holistic perspective from the pro-life ministries and also uh, to contact Renew, to donate to Renew, and also to, to donate to your local pregnancy crisis centers or places Absolutely. that are like Renew. Um, yeah, well, I want to I want to end it like that to to uh, to build up some of these other ministries. And if you're listening, yes. don't donate to us. Donate to um, some of these things. But thank you, Marisol, so much for the work that you're doing at Renew, for the work that you're doing for pro life ministry, for writing this book, for coming on our show and talking to us about this book as well. Thank, Thank you, you, gentlemen. It was such a pleasure to be here. Of course. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this week's book club episode where we spotlight a specific book from a publisher and an author that both Nick and I really enjoy. We don't always agree with everything that the author uh, or the book comes about, but what they do share with us is love for Christ and his gospel from whatever tradition they come from, whatever creedal tradition they come from or confessional tradition. Uh, we all do share the same broader ecumenical Christian faith from different backgrounds, ethnicities, and, and denominations. Uh, we, we hope that these introduce books that you might not have heard of before, authors that you might not have heard of before. Um, I've been uh, really helped by learning about some of these. If you want to go to our show notes, find a link to the publisher. That helps them out a ton. A link to the author's page, to the book, to purchase it from the publisher themselves. It really helps them um, expose their work uh, through the publisher themselves. Yeah, and the value that we're bringing with these book clubs is you guys can really rely on us because as we all know, it takes a lot of time and effort to stay on top of all the books that are coming out and know which ones are probably good to look into, be recommended to read, look out for. And so these uh, these episodes are to whet your palate. You can We have already know that we're going to recommend this book, but you can um, listen to the episode yourself, get a little more understanding of the book and the author, and then go from there. Yeah. So if you want to find these books and uh, and purchase one for yourself, purchase one for friends or family, and also too, if you can find us on Apple, Spotify, any podcast catcher, rate and review us. That's that's how we're that's how we're best known. It's how we kind of make ourselves known. Uh, introduce these to a friend and and maybe just build your bookcase, build your reading, uh, read broader and and read really well, all under the umbrella of our creedal faith under Jesus Christ.